What is going on, everybody? Thank you for another show. Thank you for tuning in. This is, I think, episode uh, 18, maybe 19. I can't remember, but we got a little different uh, background. I'm out in the garage. I can't do the old Chicago accent like uh, good old Al can, but uh, we're out in the garage. Changed the studio up a little bit tonight uh, just for you guys. But uh, we're going to have a good night. I hope everyone's having a, a great start to their weekend. We got Bush League launch. Oh, I'm sorry. Turf culture. <laughs> Turf culture in the house. Uh, I hope you guys like the. I hope you guys like the little play on the title, Bush League Turf Culture, on the titles that you've had. But uh, Brandon, how you doing? I am. I'm doing great. I'm doing really good, and I. Uh, I really like the your uh, new garage setup over fire. It uh, it feels a little bit more. I feel a little bit more relaxed because I'm out in the garage versus if it, for, the, for all those that, that didn't know, I was literally in my, the old studio when you, cause I'm probably going there again. It's, it's literally a walk-in closet that I have a moving blanket behind me. It's amazing what you can make look okay on video for the, the YouTubes, but, um, yeah, this is, this feels a little bit more comfortable to me. So, yeah, you know, you're at, you know, your garage is like your, you know, it's like your center, right? It's where all your stuff is. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm, and oh, that's how it yeah, is. I'm, I'm literally, you know, 20 or so feet away from my lawnmowers right now. So it just feels comfortable. Hey, lazy lawns. Thank you, sir. That's not, not necessary, but thank you so much. It really does. Yes. $20 for the lost beard. Um, don't worry, it'll be back at some point. It's it's usually a winter thing. Dang it, Brandon's screen is going small. I don't know why it does this, but whatever. We'll get this figured out. It's not you, Brandon, so don't try to worry about it. Um, but yeah, the the beard is just a. Uh, it's I try to keep it a winter thing, but who knows? Maybe I'll feel a little froggy and grow grow it out again in the middle of summer, so I can sweat my tail off while mowing the lawn, and just get that. Yeah. And a nice muggy St. Louis summer. I don't know about that. I don't. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. But maybe you should find out. Well, and that's why. I, that's why I like to try to you know keep it. Uh, you know, just keep it for the winter because you know it's just it's more it's way more comfortable in the winter because I get to. It does keep me warm. You would be surprised, but. Uh, Anyway, enough of that jazz. But I, I appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Um, I, if you're, if you're new to the show, it, this is the late night lawn care show. Um, this is where we just have fun. We don't dive into you know controversial topics. We just, we just have fun talking about the hobby that we all love, and know, which is lawn care. We may have different opinions, but that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm sipping on a little Alaskan IPA. I don't know if you guys can see this, Brandon. What do you What do you got over there? Uh, well, I have a cheap palette, so I'm um, not sponsored. I'm having a an ice cold bush Thank light. Thank you for making sure to let every, all the viewers know that it's <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> I mean, it, if it was sponsored, that would be cool, yeah. but um, not sponsored. Yeah. And I'm I'm also drinking some ice water from my Toro. There you go. Tumblr also they're not, not a sponsor, but we like our Toros. So, 
Um, so yeah, uh, I hope everybody had a good week. I, if you didn't, hopefully the show can be a little, a little good vibe going into uh, a relaxing weekend. I hope it's warming up around you. Brandon uh, has been sharing with me today that his lawn might have gotten a touch torn up from AT and T. May have may have been a few blemishes um, in the lawn today, but it, I tried not to freak out. All right, like. I'm not going to do what everyone thought I was going to do. I've had a couple weeks to kind of prepare myself as they've been moving the equipment, you know, through the neighborhood to get ready for this. And uh, it wasn't that bad. Uh, they, you know, the guys were like waist deep out there digging holes. And I was kind of starting to get a little bit nervous, but like they put everything back in. They use these like huge tamping machines and they tamp the dirt back down. It's as far it just needs maybe a little bit of water maybe a little nitrogen, I don't know, to try and get it uh, kind of back to where it was. But it's actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. See, that's, that's, uh, you're, I feel like you're a little bit more fortunate than I was at the old house because when I dealt with the same thing, so if you guys don't know, he's having AT&T's running fiber through his neighborhood. And if your neighborhood doesn't have fiber in it right now, just get ready because at some point in time or another, it's going to have fiber running through it because that's just the next and greatest, next best and greatest thing that's coming down the line. But when I had to run through my old neighborhood, uh, yeah, it wasn't necessarily that great of luck. They didn't do a good job of pulling up the sod. They tried to do it and it did a terrible job and I tried to salvage as much as I had. So I had to kind of salvage and reuse some of the sod that they pulled up, but then I just seeded some of the areas. Um, but it ended up being okay. It wasn't a big deal. Um, it turned out because the following year you couldn't even tell that they had done anything because I made sure to do the repair. And, and that's something that some people will get a little hurt by. They're like, well, I want this back the way it's going to be. Or the way it was when I when you did it, but that's just not a realistic expectation because those people are not people that know anything about grass. All they're doing is they're just doing the job that they were told to do, which was run the conduit to have the fiber run through. So I did probably what Brandon did of saying like, "Hey, you guys do what you need to do. Don't worry about fixing it because in the long run, it's just going to be easier for both of us to do it." I need to do versus me trying to tell you and complain about how bad of a job you're actually doing. So. I agree. Even if they were like landscaping professionals and you're digging holes that big into the grass, it's still not going to look the same as it was before. Right. Like Ben, you now that you have an irrigation system and you replaced a bunch of sprinkler heads, you never quite get it back exactly the way it was, but it only takes like a week or two and it's completely back to the way it was exactly right? it's really it, not that big of a deal and that's the part about trying to salvage the if you can salvage the sod that's on top of the area they're going to dig a hole that's the whole that's really the the key right there if you can salvage the sod um that can really help patch up that whole area um so yeah, a little bit of sand nope it'll be fine yeah it'll be fine. i'll be over there yeah. in a couple weeks we'll be throwing some fur down uh, maybe get a little mow in because I have, uh, aside from the manual real mow at my old house, I have this much experience behind a gas-powered real mower. So Brandon's going to give me my first uh, my first experience behind a, a manual reel. Or a gas-powered you're, manual reel. 
you're going to, well, let me just say, just, you're not going to be very good at it the first time you do it. I'll, <laughs> I'll warn you, it's, uh, it's, it's different. It's just, there's something different about it. The way it handles the weight, it's just, it's, it's hard to explain. Any, anyone who's ever made the jump from rotary to reel will tell you that it takes like two, three, four mows before you really get it down. I, I, but it'll be fun. I believe that. I mean, it's just like any other, well, I shouldn't say any other mower, but it's just like, it, it's probably similar to getting a new mower that you've never used. Only this mower is just on another level. Like it's, it's getting like a completely new mower that doesn't even cut the same, obviously. And it's going to move the same or move completely differently. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, I can, I can totally understand that, uh, as far as not being good at it, not being able to get good straight lines and all that kind of stuff. But maybe I'll surprise you, Brandon. Don't doubt me. <clears throat> yeah. The real mower stripe hard. They, they, um, the, the stripage out of the low cut reels are, are just, it's a different animal. Um, it's very satisfying. I will say that it's, it's like a, um, it's a completely different experience in mowing when you, when you go to reel, just the way that it cuts, the way that it looks kind of like, you know, when you cut tall grass and you don't bag, or maybe you side discharge and you mulch and you've got like grass clippings all over your legs. And like when you reel mow, it's completely different. Like you don't have any of that. It's almost like a cleaner, like a much cleaner, more um, pristine, dare I say, type mowing experience. Yeah, I believe it. Well, hey, let's. Uh, I, I just want to also talk to everybody that's in the chat and watching the show tonight. Uh, if you're not in the chat and you want to jump in, you have a question, feel free to throw it down there. Uh, Brandon and I, Brandon and I, are no no means professionals in the lawn care management or industry. We are are we are just uh, obsessive compulsive homeowner DIYers that love taking care of our lawns. Um, so we have a little bit of experience and some knowledge that we might be able to help point you in the right direction. So don't be afraid to drop a question in there and we'll do our best to answer them. If we and if we don't get to your question, don't feel like we intentionally missed it. It can be a challenging sometimes to keep up with the chat. So don't be afraid to drop it in there maybe one or two or three or four or five times um, for us to get to it. Um but yeah, in general, this show kind of is more of like a, we're all hanging out talking about lawn care stuff. So it's not necessarily an interview style show for those new guys. Uh, it's not a, it's not a Q and a, it's just us talking about random stuff. Sometimes it may get off topic. That's not necessarily lawn care stuff. Sometimes it's just strictly lawn care stuff. So, um, just wanted to kind of throw that out there for all, for all and any of the newbies out there tuning in tonight. And I very much appreciate you being in here. Um, I see Ned G. He dropped a good question in. He said, if I put down Prodiamine WDG, would it be okay to lightly dethatch my son Joe a week later? Absolutely. I don't see that being an issue. It's not really going to break uh, any of the barrier that the Prodiamine creates uh, in your lawn. Just make sure your application, which I should, which I would assume after a week later would be watered in. Um, you know, you just want to make sure it get, gets watered in before you do any sort of uh, dethatching like that. Because when you initially spray Prodiamine WDG, it's going to basically stick to the leaf blades. And then once it waters, once the rain or irrigation gets turned on, it'll water all that um, 
powder essentially off the leaf blade down into the soil. Um, so that's just kind of one of one of the things you want to make sure you get get on is watering it before you do any of that. Any anything I might have missed, Brandon? Yeah, no, you hit it. Um, the, the you know by design the protiamine layer that uh, you know we call it that's what you want to call it, but it's designed to be like two or three inches below the soil structure. So if you go in with a sun joe, you know you're really not going to break up you know, more than probably the top half inch, maybe, um, with one of those things, if you're getting aggressive with it. So that should be more than fine. Uh, Papa Moslo, AT&T put fiber in two years ago. Luckily me got a box in both sides yards. They did a fairly good job, but I still have a hump where the soil was not compacting fully down. Yeah. That's one of the things I was telling Brandon, like sometimes depending on how they run the fiber, sometimes the, well, in general, they run the fiber like directly down one side of the street and then they'll shoot it across the street to the houses on the other side. They won't run parallel lines. They'll just shoot it across. And the, the houses that don't have that are just being shot across to those will generally not have as much damage as the ones that have the main line running through it. Um, but sometimes you can get lucky either or and not have much damage and it sounds like brandon lucked out and didn't get a whole lot plus i think they they generally work with you when you're nice to them if you're gonna come out there just blowing steam and getting really ugly don't expect a whole lot in return because you have to think like those actually aren't at&t people doing it it's just a a subcontracting company that at&t works with and they're like hey we need this done go do it and they're like got it but I remember when they did it in my old neighborhood, uh, one of my neighbors that didn't really care about their lawn or they took decent care, they came out just like throwing the, the F-bomb and just like calling the police on them. It was like, do you really think that's going to help you? Do you think those people are like, all right, well, I'm going to do make sure I do a good job because they came out and yelled at me. No, they're probably going to be extra angry and not take care, take as good a care of you. I don't know. Yeah, I had a couple neighbors who were that way, who were kind of rude, and you know, I was, to me, I'm I'm taking the opposite approach. Like I'm trying to be overly nice to these guys. Like I almost wanted to bring them like pizza rolls and sweet tea for lunch. Right. Like you know, hey, you know, take care of me, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be on your side here, but you know, it's just one one of those things. You know, these guys. I mean, think about it. They're every day they're digging trenches in people's yards. They probably get the police called on them. They've got people coming out and yelling at them. And they're probably just sick of it, right? So they probably don't even care if you yell at them, to be honest. So you're probably not going to get anywhere with it. <laughs> well, that's exactly <laughs> my two cents. Because when my old neighbor, that's what I was talking. I would talk to them. I was like, you know, I bet, I bet that lady's not the first person. Like you guys probably get that all the time. They're like, oh yeah, that's not even the worst of what we've seen. Um, I mean, it's just like anything. If you want somebody to take care of you, you got to give back. You got to give to them uh, what you want in return. And even though that might be excuse me, that might be doing something that you don't necessarily want them to do. Unfortunately, most people don't know this, but there is an easement coming off of your road that the the city and utility companies can basically do whatever they want in it because it's there. That's why they have that easement to allow them to come work in their yard, in, in people's yard without having some sort of um, major paperwork forms or I don't I don't even know I don't know the technical terms but that's that's why that easement exists there's actually generally an easement in between 
houses as well because utilities run in between houses and all that kind of stuff and many times most people don't know that when they buy a house and then they that starts happening they're like this is my property and it's like well actually your property ended about 10 feet ago but you still have to maintain that part which is just it's kind of odd but that's just the way it is like that's that's the way the world works so um it's really not that big of a deal if you just kind of you know Play play with every beep, everybody. Hey ben, you're getting called out in the comments over here. Um, Nebraska says that you're low key flexing on us with that new background with your with your garage setup. I think he's true. There's a lot of truth to that. Although I think it looks great, man. No, I so <laughs> I I'm not I've I'm not. That's so I told my brother, my brother, he does Twitch stuff. And I told him I was, uh, he, so he does live streams. And I was like, Hey, I moved my back, my streaming tonight to my garage. He's like, Oh, so you can show off your garage. I'm like, no, actually like I had uh family in town. And so the closet that I was using was no longer available and I needed to, you know, find some extra space, but I've actually always wanted to be out in the garage. Um, but Obviously, I started this in the winter, and it's it was pretty cold out here, and I didn't want to have to be wearing a winter jacket while being on the live stream. So, you know, uh, I, I can't really get mad at Nebraska because he went back and watched, <laughs> supposedly watched all of my uh, videos because he literally left a comment on all of my videos. So... You know, he can rip on me all day long if he wants to. Nebraska must have had the day off today because he watched some of mine too. I had some comments from him as well. So he was pretty busy in the YouTube world today. I think he's, I don't know, man. He's just, he's one of those avid supporters. Well, we appreciate that. Very much. And if, if that were my garage, Ben, I would be doing the same thing. <clears throat> you, <laughs> when you come over to hang out with me in my lawn, you'll see my garage. It's, um, <laughs> Not that great. <laughs> the way I got it organized, organized used uh, loosely there. Well, we can. I'd be happy to, because this is like my thing. I love doing this kind of stuff because it, for what, like I love just organizing things and just making things look neat. So I'm all about giving you ideas, maybe helping you out a little bit if that's something you want to do in your garage. But well, my problem is, is I have a two car garage but I have a three car garage worth of stuff. Sure. Right. And so I've got nowhere to go with it. And so things just get on shelves. Like I can go up. I just can't go out. And that's, and that's my problem. So I had the, uh, cause we came from a two car garage and then went to a three car garage. So I had more space to spread out essentially. And so that was helpful. Um, I've never, I, I've grew up in a house. Well, the house, one of the, we didn't, I didn't, not all the house, the last house that I lived in with my parents had a three car garage, but we didn't always have a three car garage. So, but I have never actually owned a house. So it's been nice to have like space to, you know, stretch out in and, and kind of utilize the space. Cause this is, I I would call it a dream garage. Like this isn't like maybe as fancy as some of those ones you see in the YouTube world, but I would love, I, I really like it. It's, it's a great space to, to work in. You got a lot of, uh, place to store things and all that kind of stuff and the the garages that i i wouldn't say envy but those those utah garages like the jimmy lewis garage and the uh the brett's old garage it was like it was like a, a warehouse in their garage like how tall it is have you seen that yeah i think brett's garage is kind of the 
the exception. I think that was custom. I, I even think he said that on a video once that that was he that whoever he bought the house from was a contractor and they parked like a huge truck in there. So his third bay was like, I don't know, 20 something feet high. Okay. Uh, although you know, if I saw that house in the market, I would definitely, um, I mean, I'm going over asking on that. Just for the <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, I mean, that's to me, like you can't have enough garage space, especially like, as I've gotten older and I've become more of just a, like a basic dad. Right. And I have basic dad stuff like mowers and shovels and equipment and stuff, you know, it, it takes up more space in the garage. So yeah, if I, if I ever saw a Brett grasscapades set up garage anywhere near here, I'm probably going to try and, put my selling pants on and ask my wife if she wants to move. Yeah, no, because we don't have those types of garages. I mean, they're mm-hmm. in, in the St. Louis area, we do not have those types of garages. They're not really tall uh, in those types of things. You either get a two-bay garage, and they might have like uh, like some extra room on the sides. Like I know that can be an option when you build a house, like just some like barely you know maybe a foot or two more on each on each side of a two-car garage but after that it's just like a three-bay garage is really the upgrade um but i brandon i want to give a real quick shout out to you um so for those who don't know brandon brandon is a uh he's a st louis native lawn care nut like myself um you know, we've gotten the opportunity to hang out at least once. Hopefully we, we get a, more opportunities this year to hang out, play some golf, maybe work in the lawn together, whatever. But he did a full renovation of his front yard that was a turf-type tall fescue, and he brought it down to uh, all Kentucky bluegrass that he is now real mowing. And I'd like, Brandon, go ahead and just talk about that. What that What's that experience been like? Yeah, Um so I really liked my fescue yard. I'll just say that. Uh, I know there's a lot of fescue. There's people who don't really care for fescue and whatever the case. Um, my I had a really thick, nice looking fescue yard. And so last year I had um, about with with pythium, basically root rot. And I think Nebraska even asked a question a little bit earlier about fungicides. And so I'll kind of tie his question into the story. But um I started to get around the end of May, I started to get some um, some yellowing in certain spots. And they were areas that I had recently renovated the year before to try and do some leveling on. And the, the issue I was having was with drainage. And so I did some research, you know, kind of looking at, you know, mitigation for fungus. And I was doing some some treatments kind of on the defense, which I probably should have been doing some preventative treatments just because of, of where we live then being in St. Louis and having a cool season lawn is like trying to push water uphill, right? Mm -hmm. It just, it's, it's not great. Um, and and so the disease pressure here is really, really bad. And, and so I probably should have been doing some preventative fungicides ahead of time. And it was just sort of a perfect storm of the humidity at the time. It was like in the high eighties and the temperature swings, we were getting, you know, we were in like the upper 90s as far as temperatures during the day. And then we were still staying in the 70s at night. And we had a couple of like afternoon thunderstorms this one week. So it was just a perfect storm of the disease triangle. I had the host, I had the pathogen, and boy, did I have the moisture. So um, the pythium just started to really kind of take over. It was never my intention to actually 
renovate my lawn and do a low cut Kentucky bluegrass lawn. I was actually going to, at the re recommendation of the University of Missouri, I was going to add some bluegrass, like a 10%, um, like 90% fescue, 10% bluegrass mix to sort of help with some of that disease pressure because both of those grass types don't aren't susceptible to the same susceptible susceptible to the, to the same <laughs> <laughs> to the uh to the you know to the same types of of disease patches and so i had the seed and then the fescue started to continue to kind of die off and i got to a point where i was at like 50 percent root rot like on the entire lawn so i finally just said you know what i'm just gonna smoke this whole thing off and we're gonna start over and i ended up bringing in some sand and i did um, my first leveling project, I brought in six tons of sand and leveled everything off to fix the drainage, put the seed right in and right into the sand and, with the Kentucky bluegrass and kind of the rest is history. So it was a ton of work, which you can imagine is why I was a little bit rattled over AT&T coming and digging it all up, right? Because I literally had just renovated my lawn and here come these guys, which I thought they were going to completely tear the whole thing up, which they didn't. And I'm thankful for. Um, so going forward um and nebraska to answer your question I, I don't know what the disease pressure is like where you are in nebraska but in eastern missouri kind of in st louis we're in a you know sort of the transition zone the northern transition we kind of toe the line um i'm probably going to start some preventative fungicide applications with armada and Alliot, probably starting in early may and continue doing that through the end of august um, it's kind of what I'm going to do that. So um, I don't have to run into any issues with that again. But I know that was long-winded, but that was kind of the cliff notes of how everything sort of went down with that renovation last year. No, that's that's totally fine. I Because uh, I sometimes it takes, sometimes it's what it takes to tell people, hey, that's what happened. Because I didn't know you, you had no intention of actually going real. I thought, I thought that was always like, your next step like ah you know i mastered the tall cut lawn now i want to go to mastering the the real cut lawn um which is generally shorter um <clears throat> i didn't know the whole backstory so that's always cool to to hear more about why people actually do what they do in their lawn yeah i actually documented the whole thing on on tiktok like from like because all the pictures that i had trying to figure out, you know, sending pictures to Matt Martin, like, Hey, what's going on with my lawn? And at the time he, you know, he was like, you, you know, when the grass starts to get this like golden slimy kind of feel to it, that's when you know, you've got pythium going on. And once you, once the pythium start, you know, the pythium's not like at the leaf blade, it's at the feet, right? It's in, it's in the roots. So it's really hard to stop that once it starts because it's in the ground. And so the pythium just spreads throughout the roots and pretty much tries to kill everything until that disease pressure comes down and then you get a chance for the turf to recover. Problem with fescue is it doesn't spread. So you got to reseed everything. And and so that's kind of how the, the downhill slope started. But I got to tell you, you know, looking back on it, I, I love my bluegrass lawn. I love the way it looks. Uh, I get people that stop and look at it and ask questions like my mailman um like through the whole process he's like what what are you doing here because every day he drives past my house to, to do the mail and we always you know have these short conversations about like how cool it is and how much he you know he loves stopping by to check out the progress on the lawn so that's one thing uh i have no doubt that the bluegrass looks amazing 
Um, I haven't been there to see it yet, but I hope to soon. But that's one thing, like, with my Bermuda, that small Bermuda patch I had in the other house. Generally, nobody, like, people knew I had it, we had it, I had a good-looking lawn before, but they never really stopped. It wasn't until that I had literally that, like, three or four hundred square foot space of Bermuda that was, like, a carpet. And everybody was like, what are you doing? What is that? What kind of grass is that? What are you doing over there? Because it's... It's just like the, it's the, nothing, like, I just don't think you can ever have, I shouldn't say you you can never, but generally, like, you're, if you're rotary mowing, like, tall fescue, like, it has to be just outstanding for somebody to be like, wow. Like, you know, like, I don't know, I'm not saying, like, it doesn't stand out and doesn't look good, but when you have a low-cut lawn next to a, a, a high rotary cut lawn there's just no comparison like people are going to stop and they're like what what is that or what are you doing like there's just something about that that cut of lawn that people are going to be curious about because it's not something they see every day because like uh what i was saying is like for instance my lawn here is pretty much cut at the same height as the majority of the lawns in the neighborhood and there's lawns that are greener than mine right now. So technically their lawns kind of look better than mine right now. So there's not like, I might be like really into it and making it trying to look better, but it's not looking better than probably some of the people that don't care about their lawn. They're having somebody that's just dumping urea on their lawn and they're not really actually correcting things and, and so on and so forth. But you know, that's just one of the cool things about what I was getting at is that's just one of the cool things about real mode lawns is like, it's a showstopper. Like no matter what it is, uh, people are going to be like, what is this? What are you doing? Why does this look different than my lawn? And that's, that's the unique thing about it. As far as I know, I mean, there are very few people here, at least homeowners, right. That are real mowing lawns. We're not talking about, you know, Bush stadiums out there with their triplexes and all the sports fields, right? Those are all real mode lawns, but you know, uh, as far as anyone I've met or even really kind of on the YouTube scene, it's, it's pretty much just me and Coven (laughs) and and Coven's Mazama model stand looks fantastic. Um, and, and that's really the extent of it. I'm sure there are other people in this, you know, city of, what four or five million people, yeah. right? Somebody's got to be real mowing. Sure. But um, you know, I'm just the weirdo that that records it and puts it on the internet. The only way I, like at this point in my life, the only way I could see myself real mowing with three kids that are four and younger is if I had Zoja or Bermuda. Because you would literally I'm telling you, like in our in our area, yes, it won't green up until like late May, June, but you literally do not have to do anything to that grass other than cut it and fertilize it. There's no fungus that's gonna hit it because it doesn't hit extremes like it does down in the south. Um, it's just like it it would literally be a very low maintenance maintenance turf. Actually, I have a neighbor who is a greens. He's a superintendent of as a local golf course. Um, he's got Zoysia. He built the house. He, I asked him, I was like, why don't you know? Cause his lawn's not like, you know, anything to like stop and look at. 
I was like, why don't you look at your, why don't you do, do you do stuff a lot in your lawn? He's like, you know, it's kind of like an auto mechanic. Once you've been working on cars all day, you want, you don't want to come home and work on your own car. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, I totally get it. You mow and do all that management at turf on your golf course. So there's no way you're going to want to come home and start working and maintaining your own lawn the same way you do the golf course. So I get it. But he actually told me, he's like, I put Zoysia in because it's low maintenance. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. I mean, especially my parents had Zoysia when I was a kid, my parents had a Zoysia lawn. My dad liked Zoysia. And, uh, and it was great because I was the one who would mow the lawn from like age nine and up. Right. And I would only have to mow the lawn from probably like late April until the beginning of October. And it was dormant the rest of the time, you know? So for someone who doesn't really want to put the time in, Zoe's just great. You don't have to worry about all of the little ancillary things. You just give it a little, you don't even have to give it fertilizer. The Zoe's is going to spread um, just because of the way that Zoe is and Bermuda too. And having said that, half of my neighborhood is wild Bermuda. So at some point it's going to get me. It's at my neighbor's house. It's at my neighbor's house across the street. Um, it, it's coming for me. It's going to creep under the driveway. It's, <laughs> it's eventually going to, to come to bite, but um, I hope it stays away for a while. If it doesn't, whatever, I'll have a blue mute lawn then I guess I can, if I can see a silver lining there. I, I, I know I've heard people say like, oh, common Bermuda looks terrible, but I'm telling you, like, I guess if it's, if common Bermuda is mixed with like, you know, something really like a nice cultivar Bermuda, maybe you'd, you'd probably notice it. Oh, uh, no doubt. Like I, I don't know enough, but I'm sure that would, that would probably be the case. But I'm telling you when I had that common Bermuda, just, uh, really nicely cut maintained it looked great like i was if this was my entire lawn i'd be like hey sign me up because uh you know it looks it looks awesome i i just have to keep mowing it more frequently in the summer but that's about it um my wife isn't a fan of it because it turns you know that gold brown in the winter mm. she likes the the yeah. semi green stuff but i'm telling you i told her i was like yeah but there's nothing i really need to apply to it like and not that I don't like applying things to the lawn, but when you have kids and stuff, it just is like, I don't know. I'd rather just mow the lawn rather than worry about trying to fix the, you know, disaster of fungus you might get in the lawn like I had last year. Like, that was literally, like, I told my wife one time last year, I was like, this mowing sucks. Like, it... <laughs> she's like what do you mean i was like because it doesn't look any better after you mowed it just still looks terrible <laughs> well the, the the bermuda that's that's invasive in my neighborhood is not even common bermuda it's wild bermuda and it is um it's unsavory looking it's bad and i've got a couple of neighbors where their entire lawn is wild bermuda and they've just given up Right. So except that the fact there's nothing they can do, there are things they can do, um, but it takes a couple of years and some very expensive chemicals to eradicate that. Um, but it's, I mean, if it was common Bermuda, eh, I wouldn't be so worried about it. You can make common look good. It looks good. Cut short. The wild Bermuda cutting it short is a big stressor for it. It's going to, it's going to almost kind of choke it out a little bit, but it comes back furious, right? It comes back even harder than before. Um, but I just, I love the way cool season lawns look. I love the deep color. I love 
the way it stripes. I, I mean, it's just there's cool season lawns are just so enjoyable to look at. And as much as the guys down south won't admit that, you know, they love their Bermuda so much, they really look forward to overseeding with that rye in the winter. I can tell. I mean, just some of the pictures you see and some of the stories you hear from these guys about striping their their perennial ryegrass. Um, you know that they've got a, there's a special place in their heart for that cool season grass whenever they can get their hands on it. Yeah, I have no doubt that that's the case. Um, because I, I, I mean, even with the turf type tall fescue lawn, uh, there's just a certain color. There's a certain look that you're going to get with that, that you're never going to get with any sort of uh, warm season grass, even if it's a tall mode, uh, St. Augustine. Um, <clears throat> cause we, I actually, yeah, the, the, uh, uh, the house I grew up in and down in Dallas, uh, we had our lawn resodded with uh, St. Augustine. And so I, I've mowed Bermuda and St. Augustine. I've done it. Um, so I, I, I kind of know, I know some people up here are up north and those types of things. They don't know anything about warm season grass. They've never experienced Bermuda or they may have experienced Bermuda, but they've definitely never experienced St. Augustine because it you have to go you have to go down south to experience St. Augustine. Um but you're right, Brandon. Like there's nothing like the color that you get with a cool season lawn. I'll admit that one hundred percent. Um so <clears throat> I don't know. To me it's kind of I, I wish there was a a vigorously dominant cool season turf that didn't go dormant like Bermuda uh or Zoysia in the winter but like could withstand the heat and humidity that we get here in the transitions. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised that that kind of uh, cultivar or grass has not been developed considering the uh, GMO development that they've been able to do with a lot of different uh, grass types, like with the, the Pro Vista stuff and, and, you know, being it for it being tolerant against uh, glyphosate and those types of things. I'm surprised they're not able to do, you know, some sort of mix between a cool season grass and Bermuda. That would be bomb here in the trip. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And I, I know a lot of the guys out here, and actually the the um, the turf agronomist, he's a sports turf, um, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call his title. His, his name is, uh, oh gosh, I'm botching this whole thing. Um, but he works for, he he's a consultant at advanced turf solutions and he's actually the guy uh brian winkta is his name sorry and, and and brian actually like four or five years ago started this whole blue muta revolution because of the sports fields in st louis the winter damage to the bermuda it would look horrible you know coming out of the winter and then they would oversee with rye and they had to spray the rye out and then try and get the bermuda going and he would say that you know they on a whim, they, they said, well, let's, you know, we've seen some golf courses that have been doing bluegrass in the transition zone in, in the, in the Bermuda and just leaving it. And so they started doing that. And it actually been, if you ever drive by the Chesterfield sports complex, right off of 40, kind of when you come into St. Louis County from where you are, all of those fields are blue muta. And when you look at them from the highway, they're like glowing. They're the most beautiful sports turf fields I've seen that are like not professional sports yeah. fields, right? And uh, they look fantastic. And I know Rillo Dad does his, his his Blue Muta looks really good, and he's in 
he's in, uh, I can't remember what part of Tennessee he's in, but um, the fact that the, the bluegrass can actually survive even two or three hours south of where we are looks really good because there's really no, and I'll say this, even, even the guys I talk to that, you know, are into, you know, turf as their profession, they'll even tell you this, you know, our lateral line here from North Carolina kind of over until you get further west where it's dry is just an awful place to try and grow grass. There's really no perfect grass type here. Um, so you got kind of got to make do with what you have. And so I think a lot of people struggle with that and uh, they kind of give up because with the warm season turf, well, the growing season is not very long. You can, you know, there, there's always some collateral damage there. And then for the cool season grasses, you're always having to, to do this over the top management just because it takes so much to try and keep it going. And, uh, you know, just, just, it's a, it's a circumstance of where we live, it, what it comes down to. You know, I've been kind of intrigued by this and some people may not like this, but I've been intrigued by some of those, uh, clover, tall fescue or clover lawns. They're like mixed with, uh, I know they've, I know some sod farms, I've seen it, uh, where some sod farms mix a, mix a clover with, I don't know if it's a, a fescue or a bluegrass, um, but I've been intrigued by that. Not to say that I would ever do it, but I've been like, uh, I'm intrigued by, by the, the maintenance of it being low maintenance, um, and again, not because I'm not about being in my lawn, but you know, Brandon, you know about this as being a dad and having a life with your kids and family and wife and all those types of things. You, it's not like we're single and can just spend it all day out in the lawn. So sometimes low maintenance sounds intriguing. Um, so when I, I know I've heard about that, I've not done actual any research on it, but I know, Brandon, have you heard anything about the clover lawns, like where they mix it with other grass types? I've I've seen those bags of Scott's clover lawns, um, but I don't think I would I would ever willingly purchase anything. <laughs> <like that. laughs> it's just it's not in my DNA to do that. <laughs> because like from like when I see it, uh, you know, just like for instance, like I know there's a a house down in the cul-de-sac from my house. It's got a, a fair amount of clover in it, but it's got a fair amount of cool season grass in it, and it actually looks pretty dang green right now, and it, it usually looks pretty green all throughout the summer. Now, that can be for a lot of different reasons, but I know in general the clover is pretty resilient in the summer, um, so it can generally hold some of that color. Is it going to give you the same texture as grass? Right. Probably not. Um you know, yeah, I don't, you know, crabgrass and Dallas grass is also pretty resilient as well as nuts edge. Um, you know, I've even like thought in my head at times, like what if somebody tried to, to just grow like a poanya lawn, right? Everybody. It'd be a little bit light green, but you wouldn't have to manage it. You know, what would that look like? I don't know. I, when, when I see the clover thing, I always wonder like, okay, you know, there's a market out there for somebody who like, just wants to throw something down. They don't have to maintain anything. It's not invasive, but it's going to be green. You know, from far away, you're probably looking at it like, oh, that guy's got a green lawn. But then you get close, you're like, oh, it's all clover, right? Or me, I, as soon as I see a clover, I'm I'm getting the triclear pure pumped up in the sprayer. Right? I, I got to get it out of there. So I I, I can't. Uh, I, me personally, I couldn't. I couldn't get close to the clover. No way. So. Uh... 
I my like I say, my neighbor that's a a superintendent at a golf course. He actually says there's a lot of there's some golf courses that actually plant poannua. Like that's what they use on their greens. Um, which I'm not surprised. I know I've heard of that before. When I when he told me that, I wasn't like really like that's. I thought that was a weed. Um, I don't know. I'm sure it depends on like. Uh, the the part of the country they're they're growing it in um, that they do that but he told me that they there are some golf courses that just uh, that just do that he was actually telling telling me that um, the masters down in uh, uh, Augusta he said all of that grass that they plant is all perennial it's all perennial like it's all perennial rye or, or rye grass. Yeah. Um, just because of the time of year that they're grown, that they're playing there, because it's it, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it generally in the late summer, early fall? The Masters is usually in April. It's like early April, and okay. I know this past year they did it in October because because of COVID. Okay, that's I was they, so I was getting back. yeah, so I was getting confused by that. So even in in early April, so that Bermuda's probably still going to be relatively dormant mm-hmm. in in down in Georgia. Um, but he was telling me that he's like, yeah, they hammer the rye really heavy on that golf course just to make it look good. Um, and obviously to play, yeah, that, to play well as, as well, but, um, that's, that's where all the rye grass went to, you know, there's a, there's, there's a shortage of perennial rye grass right now. I didn't know that. And I'm convinced that, that Augusta, um, is the, is the reason why, because they took it all. No, that's a total joke, but. Uh, yeah. So in October, obviously, you know, the Bermuda is going dormant, right? It probably has zebra stripes at that point. Um, in August, even though it's still warm in August in October, it's probably not fully dormant, but if you need a television ready, you know, master's tournament, you know, you, you bet your bottom dollar, you're, you're overseeding with, with ryegrass probably six weeks before that, once it can stand the heat. And, uh, you know, when I watched the masters, it, it looked beautiful. Right. You couldn't even tell. No. Uh, and I'm sure the average viewer that doesn't really care or, or you know, doesn't concern themselves with with turf grass probably wouldn't even even think twice about it. But to guys like us, look, oh, I wonder how they got that Bermuda looking so good. Well, it's overseeded. Exactly. With, with, with rye. Yep. Uh, well, I'm going to jump in the chat really quick because I know there's been questions. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I do apologize if we do miss your question. Um, but I do see some really good conversation just between everybody, so that's awesome. That's also what the chat is for, is for everybody to kind of converse between one another, maybe gather some info and insight and all those that type of thing. So I'm, I'm glad that kind of stuff's happening. Um, I do just want to give a, a quick shout-out again to Brandon. Uh, if, if anybody's new on the channel here tonight, um, his info for his YouTube channel and Instagram channel are... Uh, page is in, is in the description below, so be sure to go check him out. Uh, give him some love. Show him. Uh, give him subscribe to his channel. He's he's putting out some cool stuff. Uh, being that he's real mowing bluegrass here in the St. Louis area, because it's not a very common thing to do. It, I would say it's kind of like in the same realm of like Pete Denny growing uh, Kentucky bluegrass in the North Carolina area, as far as like the challenges of it and those types of things. So. Uh, go check his channel out. But anyway, let's go. And I thought there was a couple of questions in here I m- might have missed. Brandon, did you see anything? Yeah, I've been kind of following along. Um, 
you know, I got back to Nebraska earlier about the fungicides. Um, and it looks like the Longineer. So Vince asked me if I have any big plans for my channel this season. And, and so <laughs> I'll say this is I don't really, you know, just because of my work schedule and family life is I don't really plan like anything big. Like I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Honestly, when I'm doing this thing on YouTube is uh, I just kind of film what I'm doing, how I do it. And I don't really have the time to like manipulate algorithms and worry about stuff like that. Right. It's all just kind of me out there kind of just working in my lawn and, and sharing my learning experiences and kind of the results that I get, um, you know, of course, I like to do product reviews too, but um, that's, I mean, as far as big plans, no, not really. Um, just uh, just kind of out there doing my thing and, and putting it on video. I would say that's, uh, that's a true, true, like, DIY YouTuber right there. Just flying by the seat of his pants, putting stuff out there as he can. And, uh, I mean, that's kind of how I roll as well. I... I generally am like, well, I got, I'm going to try not to get a crap load of fungus in my lawn this year. So maybe I'll have some decent content, but that's kind of like what you, like, I don't know. I, what you, what you're saying right now is essentially like neither of us are trying to turn this into some sort of like business or something. So we're just, you know, recording things and giving it to people, uh, you know, giving the content to people as, as they, see it so there's you know as it comes as well as you know depending on the season and all those types of things so uh man tyler clayton oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah tyler tyler is um he's either um, on the sauce or maybe he's a little bit confused about what we're doing here this is a lawn care show tyler <laughs> yeah. um, i don't know what you what you think is going on here but we're talking about about turf grass <laughs> i don't know i don't know what kind of bush you're wanting here but it's not the kind of bush we're talking about um it's uh well i thought somebody asked me something you didn't see anyone going through oh i was got you blushing there ben I no lawn journey is asking about my beard and i said oh it got donated to the local trash and uh i said and, and then he responded you didn't see anyone going through your trash did you um <laughs> he said the i should just showed uh wife your last video the beard was stunning nice to get it off for warm weather i'm sure you know that's what uh the only people that i have ever so I, I noticed there was comments about the beard and the receding hairline because generally I have a, a hat on and you don't see that. Um, but Jason, uh, I always butcher his last name, but uh, he was commenting on that as well. And yeah, you just got to own the receding hairline. Eventually I'm going to be bald here pretty soon, so it's okay. I don't mind it. <clears throat> but the beard thing is, it's just a winter thing. It's, like I said, I might have some... Uh, might get some random thoughts of growing it out here in the winter. Tyler. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by Tyler. It was a pleasure. I'm on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> 
You know, I wish I could grow a beard. Um, unfortunately, I cannot uh, for whatever reason. It's uh, and, and it's blonde too, so it's it's kind of got like a uh, strawberry blonde color to it. So it's it looks um, equally disgusting when I do try to grow one. So I just don't even bother. <laughs> <clears throat> or else I would. I would totally love to have a beard. Um. Well. Let's see. I thought. Do they make hair plugs for guys who can't grow you know, beards? Because you know, beards are like the thing now. Like, if you don't have like a lush, masculine beard, it's almost like, you know, you kind of get a little side eye. Yeah, I don't know if they have plugs for beards. I know they have plugs for the top of your head. Maybe they can apply that same technology to your face, but I don't know. Beard plugs. Yeah, <laughs> that might be a million dollar idea. I don't know. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, I, this isn't really going to be a segment, but because uh, I I know I've made this a segment in previous shows, but I I always try to give my co-hosts an opportunity to talk about their good or and or bad experiences with uh, trollers in their comments. But <laughs> Brandon, what has your experience been like as as a you know young YouTuber, small channel? What has your experience been like with uh, the trollers? The tro- really the trollers have been pretty merciful thus far, right? I, that's I've only I'm only like thirty, I think thirty two or thirty three videos in, so there hasn't been a whole lot of opportunity for the trollers to come out, unless it's the you know like the bots, <laughs> you know that leave like uh, timestamp links on your on your comments. But for the most part, I haven't had a whole lot of trollers. I did have one on my Time Master video. Um, that was looking for an opportunity to kind of poke some holes in the review. I think I sent you oh, that yeah, one. Oh, yeah, you did, because you went um, all out on that one. Yeah, I, I, I did. And I know it, before I get into this, because I don't want to lose any friends over this, <laughs> but it's because I know you love your Hondas, right? And, and I like Hondas, too. I have Honda engines on all the mowers that I have in my garage right now. But it's always, you know... And it's not the whole group of Honda owners, but there's always like a couple of them that like really look for opportunities to come in and say, well, my Honda doesn't do that. You know, it's (laughs) almost like a Prius owner, you know, and so, you know, the comment was about, you know, the Time Masters, a big mower takes a lot of gas. Right. But, you know, they advertise that it cuts down 40 percent of mowing time and the 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 Honda commenter mentioned. Well, um, I never have to stop for gas in my Honda. I would rather take longer to mow the lawn than have to go back and get gas. And so I kind of got snarky with this guy and I went back and I did all the analytics on how much time you save mowing the lawn with the Time Master versus a 21 inch Honda. And it kind of came back with a snarky comment and, and it, it kind of got him to kind of hurt his feelings a little bit there at the end. He left me a comment about how I hurt his feelings with that, but I felt like justice. <laughs> No, you, when I saw that you went, you went above and beyond with, with that because you're like, I'm going to go time my, uh, wait, do that again. Uh, well, I already, I already did oh, it. Dang so it. it dang yeah. it. Wait, did uh, you have a sound button? You're a bush. Well, no, I was going to let you do that. Like, like, uh, <laughs> do you guys like, uh, the, do you watch you betcha? Yeah, of course I watch you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love those guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, you you went above and beyond with that because I I probably would not have ex- uh spent that much time on on someone like that. But to 
to talk about that because I've heard the the gas tank is like oh it it's small and whatnot, but I have a uh it's a nine thousand square foot lawn. I've double cut it on one tank with my Honda mower, and it's a your standard. I think they're. 21 inch or something. I don't remember the cutting. It's not as wide as the Time Master, so I think it's 21 inch. Um, am I able to get a double cut on with the Time Master? No. But am I able to mow all 9,000 square feet with the, my Time Master without having to refill it? Yes. I've done it. And I don't know. Like I would say most people aren't going to go double cut their lawn. So. Um, it already is going to expedite the time because, for one, it's a 30-inch deck. And if I'm just single cutting, which generally you don't need to double cut. I'm just using it more as exercise and another reason to be out in the lawn. Um, so it's going to give it a clean cut with just a single cut. So And it's going to save you time at the same time because it's a bigger deck. So I've seen that argument, and I don't really necessarily agree with it just because we're like, oh, it's got a smaller gas tank. It's like... All right, well, to Brandon's point, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and people get so out of, you know, bent out of shape about that sponge in the gas tank, too. I've been I've curious, what do they that. put that in there for? Yeah, so a bigger tank, right? It's the same size tank as they put on the commercial turf cutter model. And it keeps the gas from, you know, it sloshes around in there when you get when you get low. And it keeps the mower from choking out. It keeps like the fuel stable in there, so it can actually, you know, funnel down um, without you know slopping all over the place. So people pull that sponge out of there, and then they like, well, I'm getting a lot of, um, you know, I keep seeing complaints from people. I'm on a one of the Facebook groups, the Time Master Facebook group, and they'll say, yeah, I run my mower for like an hour, and then all of a sudden it starts getting like you know, it backfires or it's like sputtering and it's because like the fuel is like not getting into the fuel lines all the way because you pulled the sponge out. So the sponge is there for a reason. And if you look at a lot of commercial machines, there's a, there's, there's a sponge in there for, for that exact reason. Well, it reminds me of like uh, race cars that have fuel cells that have the dividers in yeah. the, uh, I don't know exactly how, what fuel cells are look like, but I know the intention behind it is to keep the fuel in the area for the engine to pull the fuel from the tank um, versus if it was just an empty tank with nothing in there to help the fuel stay in one area of the tank. Um, it would all like, for instance, like if you're racing a car, it'd all be pushed to one side. And if the pickup is all, you know, all on the other side, then it's not going to pick up the fuel. So it makes sense for what you're talking about for the mower to have, uh, that kind of sponge in it. I, I think it's probably like, cause my Honda's I've never had a, a, a mower that has had something like that in there. I've never seen it before. So I would imagine some people that see that they're like, well, that's dumb. I'm just going to take that out. Cause it's taking up space for fuel. <laughs> you know, Toro put that in there for a reason. <laughs> and it actually you know? <laughs> says in the manual, do not take that out. Uh, I saw super TA. Uh, he was talking about, he was talking between uh, lawn journeys, I think that's Russ, uh, about some fungus he was having because Super T is of a New Jersey. Uh, and that just reminded me of just the fungus issues that we have here in the St. Louis area. Brandon, what do you generally use for a fungicide? 
So yeah, last year I didn't have my fungicide game on point, right? When I probably should have. The year before I didn't really have any fungicide or fungus pressure. So I didn't really go into last year really even worrying about it until it was too late. So this year I got a plan, right? I'm a man with a plan coming at it. And so I did a lot of research and I asked a lot of questions with a lot of the turf pros that I talked to about, okay, what's rated for home lawns that I can use for this location, right? And for like summer patch, summer stress, Pythium, dollar spot, um, you know, pretty much anything you can get here. Cause we get like a smorgasbord of fungus in the transition zone and cool season grasses. So I'm going this year with, um, I have some azoxystrobin left over, but I decided to go and get Armada um, WDG because Armada is basically the active ingredient. Armada replaces propiconazole and, and um, um, the, the, the azoxystrobin. So essentially you're not going to have to go in every 14 or 28 days and alternate those two you can it's a simple it's one fungicide app and you're doing that every you know between 14 and 21 days and then for the pythium there's a, a very limited amount of products you can actually use for pythium and so for pythium I'm using a product called Alliot, and that's something that you would use a little bit more um uh, you know concentrated in the in the deep summer months right so i'm talking like july and august um, when Pythium would probably be most present. And so I'm going to be alternating the Armada and the Alliot. And, and I know when people are probably going to start Googling this right now to go look at it. When you look at the price for Armada, um, you get sticker shock right away. But if you price out the apps that you're doing for propiconazole and azoxystrobin, it actually ends up being cheaper per application. You just kind of have it longer, right? It's got a better residual. So um, that's what I'm going with this year. And I'm of course going to be documenting those results and, um, looking forward to seeing how that pays off. And so of course I'm going to be doing those as preventative apps. I'm not going to be playing defense this year. I'm getting out ahead of it. So, I mean, for, for everybody that is new or for everybody that knows there that's in the chat or watching right now, last year I had a pretty substantial fungus problem. It was bad. Uh, and I would say my biggest problem was not getting it down early enough. Last year I had a really bad dollar spot. And I think that can kind of, I think that can sometimes be, uh, each year, I think sometimes more uh, different fungus can be more prevalent than others. Because I know last year I heard fungus or dollar spot was really bad throughout the country essentially at least the part of the country that deals with fungus in lawns <clears throat> and uh but i've always been bad at timing my applications so uh this year and matt martin's kind of helped me out a little bit uh with this as well like i'm i'm going to be going out this year in april with propiconazole just to help get a preventative down stop what i can uh and then uh, basically May, June, July, and possibly August be putting propiconazole and azoxystrobin down each month, uh, to continue to, as a preventative. Hopefully my applications in April can be a good preventative. So then 
it can continue to be preventatives throughout the rest of the year. Um, <clears throat> I know last year, a lot of my main issues was from the pH. And my pH is by no means fully corrected. There still needs to be work done to it. But it has improved quite a bit uh, compared to last year. And I know the f that that contributed to my fungus problem. When essentially, uh, from what I understand... When the soil is not in your favor for growing grass or for the grass to grow properly, that's just putting the grass at higher risk of getting disease uh, pressure and or maybe insect pressure. I don't know. Maybe insects is not, but at least disease. I know that for sure. Um, <clears throat> so I know as you bring the, the pH down in the range that the grass likes to thrive in, you're going to have less problems for disease and those types of things not to say you're not going to have any problems but you're at least decreasing some of those so last year i was having it hovering at about an 8.3 uh of my ph which is really high uh because ph is a logarithmic scale so i don't don't remember it so like a tenth of a point is like and i can't it's like uh coming down just a tenth of a point is is a that's a lot like it's not uh, I don't remember the exact math that goes into it. I, I'm I'm not a pro, unless you know, Brandon, like the exact number that goes into yeah. a tenth. Um, but anyway, mine came to... I don't. I, you know, everybody that's in the chat and watching right now, you're kind of getting a little sneak peek of what I will talk about eventually. My Essentially, my soil, like comparing from last year to this year, my soil pH went from an 8.3 to a 7.8. Uh, 7.8 so it went down nearly half it went down a half a an entire point which is enormous um that's dropping significantly so uh <clears throat> i i don't imagine i would have as bad of fungus problems but i know i still will have some so um but that's generally like what i was saying to get back what i was talking about Timing has always been my issue. I've always timed it wrong, so I'm always playing catch-up. And last year, I wasn't... I don't know if you want to call it catch-up. I was just trying to to play. <laughs> it was just bad with how much uh, fungus damage and dollar spot I had in the lawn. But Yeah, and with a pH that high, you know, your grass is basically in survival mode yeah you know it's you're it's stressed out all the time and so i mean you're it's just a ticking time bomb for disease pressure especially here and you know I've, I've seen some some a few people in the chat you know talking about fungicide and asking some questions and uh i have to go up a little bit here um so you asked a question i can't remember who it was somebody said they're looking forward to getting you know disease x out you know as soon as they can and, and Look, I'm no professional. Let me just disclose that first. I'm a homeowner who takes care of his homeowner lawn. But um, depending on the fungus, fungus you've had or disease you've had in your lawn in the past, just make sure that what you're applying is actually going to correct whatever the, um, you know, the, the, the fungus issue that you're having um, or, you, or, you, or you've had previously, right? Because I see that a lot of people like disease X, but it's, you know, it's not a cure-all for everything. Right. And, and I'm a, actually a firm believer in that liquid fungicides are probably going to be more effective than a granular fungicide and it'll save you money long term. Just just my two cents. 
Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. And what I've also heard is the the liquids, as far as like between propiconazole or liquid fungicides in general, are going to work a little bit better than your granular. Not to say disease X and those types of things you can get from your local hardware store don't do anything, but they're not they're not going to necessarily be as effective as a liquid product. Um, that's right. what I've heard from people that know a lot more about this than me. So yeah, the way it was explained to me too, and you're exactly right, is that think about it. If it's sold at a big box store, it's at a diluted rate and it's also probably granular. So there's two ways there that are kind of going to slow down the process. Right. And it, you're going to pay just as much. So, uh, if you're comfortable with spraying, I would definitely spray, uh, lawn journeys even asked a question about Armada. Did water dispersible granules. Um, yeah, it will spray out of a backpack. That's how, that's how I apply it. And uh, it, it melts down really nicely in some warm water. I usually mix it in a bucket beforehand and then dump it in the, into the, into the backpack sprayer. So definitely want to use like a, a fine mist tip with that, like a, you know, a T-Jet XR nozzle or something along those lines. You want to get on the grass blades and then, and then after a little bit, uh, you have to read the label. I can't quote the label on the Turf Pro, like I've said probably 20 times throughout this conversation already, but um, you, you want to get it watered in at some point. Um, not to jump off topic, but someone, and I'll come back to what we're talking about, but someone asked me about the heart tools. I can't remember who, who asked me. Let me look back in the chat. Um, yeah, the chat's popping right now. It's hard to keep up with. It's because we started talking about fungus and disease because everybody knows we're about to be dipping in that pretty soon here. Yeah, we're going to be dipping our toe in that here before you know it. Oh, it was Nebraska. He said, how are those heart tools working out for you? They're good. I, I like the heart tools. I'm, I still am going to do a video on the uh, backpack sprayer I got from them as well as the two-gallon battery backpack. I'm sorry. I can't remember what I just said. The backpack blower and the backpack sprayer. So they gave me a two-gallon backpack sprayer, and they also gave me a uh, backpack blower, a blower. I will be doing a review here on uh, at the beginning of this year at this in the spring. Um, but no, they're good tools. I would I would recommend them. There's nothing I would. I, the only thing I've said about the mower that I wouldn't recommend is uh, somebody like that has a a lawn that's Bigger than five to six thousand square feet, I would recommend um, getting a different mower. Or if you're going to get the heart mower, you're going to want to get at least a couple batteries uh, just so you have them at hand. But no, they're very good quality tools. Uh, I have no complaints about them as far as like uh, the the build quality or anything like that. They're good. They're good tools. I'm starting to come around on on those electric tools. I, um, I used to be, you know, pretty steadfast on, you know, bashing anything battery powered, but I actually bought, um, so my parents at their house, you know, they had a couple of mowers there and the maintenance just became, you know, as my, my parents are getting older, right. They don't have to deal with maintenance. And so kind of at the end of the year, last year, I was at Home Depot and they, and they had the 60 volt Toro on the shelf on clearance. And this was I don't know, probably late September, they're getting ready to put all the Halloween stuff up. So they need to get all that stuff out. And so I called my, my parents. I was like, Hey, uh, I found this, you know, by the way, I love Toro stuff, not sponsored. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, I said, hey, these mowers are really good and kind of sold them like on the spot. You know, there's one here for it's clearance out. You want me to grab it for you? And they were like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I've used that over at their house probably six or seven times. And I got to tell you, man, I really like the battery power equipment. The Toro 60 volt. Um, and I've seen the 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 heart mower that you have at your house. The I'm starting to come around big time on a lot of the 60 volt equipment. Because I like, with it, with the exception to probably the string trimmer, I think all of the Toro 60 volt stuff is fantastic. The trimmer, not so much. I know they came out with a new one, and it's supposed to be better. I haven't been able to, to see it or anything, but um, I've definitely changed my perspective on on all of that. So that's that's kind of opposite. I mean, not opposite because I've I've liked all the equipment that I've used from Hart here. Um, but I've, I used the, I've kind of completely switched over to 100% on the heart trimmer like that. I don't use my gas powered trimmer anymore. I, I honestly don't remember when the last time I used it, uh, cause it's a straight shaft, uh, battery powered 40 volt trimmer. I can get, I live on a, a corner lot. So if you corner lots generally have more trimming and edging to do, cause I don't, I don't use a stick edger. I use my string trimmer to do all my edging and you know uh bed trimming and fence trimming and house trimming and all that kind of stuff so there's a good amount of space that i uh your footage that i have to trim with it i can get it done on one full charge and it's usually almost dead the battery but for the most part i can get everything done so if you're not on a corner lot you're for sure gonna have plenty of uh, battery power left on it uh, and it has plenty of power because it has it's a variable speed. It's got a slow speed and a high speed, and then with within each of those speeds, there the trigger is variable as well, so you can feather it and those types of things. So it's not just like an on-off type deal. So that that technology has come a long, long way, and it's only going to get better, in my opinion. Agreed. We got a whole bunch of questions in the chat. I don't know if we should maybe jump in and grab some. Yeah, these. yeah, yeah. We're 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 getting close to the end, but let's for sure grab some of these questions. So if you see one that I don't see, Brandon, go ahead and go for it. Okay. Uh so let's see. It keeps it keeps jumping up on me. Uh I saw a question here. Somebody was asking about sea kelp. That was Chuck Benzing. He said uh Thank God it's Friday, fellas. On the current subject, heat, stress, slash disease, why not sea kelp instead of or okay. in addition to? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I can take this one yeah, if go you for want. It. Um, with sea kelp, you know, sea kelp is, is, has, is just another tool in the toolbox, right, to help um, with stress in the summer. But... You know, I wouldn't say that it's really an, a, a replacement for agronomy. You know, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't displace a fungicide with sea kelp. Of course, I would probably add it in there. Definitely, um, kelp can kind of work as the wetting agent to kind of help, you know, correct some things you got on the soil. But uh, definitely would add it to it. I probably wouldn't um, do it instead of a fungicide application. I would agree with that. I think it's just. It's one of those things that I think would help just to feed the soil and just kind of help improve the soil while you're also helping uh, er eradicate the disease or fungus you're dealing with. 
Uh, Super TA asked you, Brandon, he said, can you recommend a T-Jet nozzle for my Field King sprayer? I need uh, a nice fan nozzle. Can you hit me up on Instagram? Well, I guess you can do both. You can hit them up on here and on Instagram. Yeah. We can do a double whammy there. You know, any fan tip nozzle is going to be nice. I like the T-Jet XR nozzles because they have the metal tip in there. Um, you can find them for like 4 or $5 online. Uh, Super TA, I'll hit you up on Instagram, man, and help you get one picked out. Uh, Lawn Journeys said, uh, Tariff Culture, thanks on the Armada again. I'll, I'll read up on it. Running a backpack sprayer this season, I use Propiconazole hose and sprayer. Uh, and alternated with disease X with liquid apps apply better. <clears throat> yeah, but I would, like I said, I would agree, uh, when he, when he says, but a liquid, liquid apps apply better. Last year was my first time actually applying concentrates from my backpack sprayer. And man, I, I to correct my, the, to, for the curative rates that I was using on that on my fungus problem last year, I only used one app. I didn't use any more, and uh, yeah, that was pretty. It was pretty much lights out as far as all that yeah. fungus. I mean, it, I made one app and continued to do things to help the soil pH and and feed and feed the grass slightly during the summer, and it was that fungus didn't stand a chance. It was it was pretty amazing. I didn't think it would recover like it did during the middle of summer, but it was pretty cool. Well, sulfur too, sulfur really helps with stress in the turf too. And you were adding elemental sulfur with citric acid. And I think that's kind of a combination that gets overlooked a lot. Maybe it's not talked about in the mainstream for dropping pH up for obvious reasons, but then also for stress mitigation. I mean, you saw almost <laughs> an immediate response. I remember you sending me pictures of your lawn um, I remember, I think I said something along the lines of you look like, you know, comeback player of the year at this point, right? Just because how quickly it turned around. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the elemental sulfur, you know, what you think about that um, and, and kind of how you benefited from put, you know, applying that to your lawn? Um, yeah. So I don't know. I know this, this is one of the things that I think uh, people don't really understand and I don't fully understand as well but elemental sulfur takes a long time for it to actually break down it's broken down by the microbes in the soil and it it's oxidized to become uh dang it i always forget the acid that it it's oxidized into um sulfuric acid that might be it that sounds about right but it's it's sure. essentially oxidized into that to essentially more permanently lower the soil um, so what the, again, this is just what I've known through people I've talked to and just a little bit of research I've done. What the citric acid does is it, um, with the elemental sulfur, when you're applying it to a soil that has a very high pH, the microbes don't, aren't very, they don't work as efficiently, efficiently, let's say to break down that elemental sulfur. So when you apply the citric acid, you're essentially, uh, you're applying a very, very acid, acidic product to the soil and it's going to very it's going to temporarily lower the ph in the soil the citric acid is by no means something permanent it's not something that really drops the ph permanently it's it's there to essentially help the microbes work more efficiently to break down the elemental sulfur uh to then more permanently lower your soil ph i'm not sure if that makes sense um but i i think 
what I've seen in, in some of the posts on social media and on YouTube is I think sometimes people think the citric acid is the key when that's really just from what I've understood and learned is the citric acid it can be uh, something that just helps the more permanent process. The citric acid is a very temporary step uh, to kind of basically help that uh, the microbes work more efficiently in the soil. And then at the same time, generally when you're lowering soil as well, you're using uh, ammonium sulfate as your nitrogen source. And that is also going to help to a degree, not by any large means, uh, to a degree help lower your soil pH. Mainly your soil pH reduction is going to come from something like elemental sulfur, but uh, putting down products like ammonium sulfate over time can help that as well. So again, no professional, just something I've learned from the turf care professionals and people that are pros in the industry. Right. And the citric acid is one that I learned about when I started talking to the, to the bio pro guys about, um, you know, carbohydrates and the lungs, the citric acid has a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugars in it. And I started experimenting with molasses last year for microbial activity. And they put molasses and citric acid in the bio MP product that they sell. And that really just sort of ignites the microbial activity and soil to kind of use up kind of what you've got there, right? Things that might be bound up. Um, and then there's other benefits to carbohydrates and, you know, for turf grass too, for photosynthesis and things. But, you know, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole because I, I don't really know what I'm talking about when I get past that point. But um, that's one of the things that they add in there. And they said it's because, you know, they put some citric acid in there just because of microbial activity. It really stimulates it. And, um, uh, but it's good to apply it by itself like you did um, to really kind of help your applications you know, get further along in the process. Yeah. And one of the things, so I have, uh, like this year, I went pretty heavy on the money on the elemental sulfur last year, generally. Uh, and like I said, since we're on the live stream and not a lot of people are going to watch this, but last year, uh, <laughs> like generally what's recommended is 10,000, uh, or 10 pounds of elemental sulfur for a year. Uh, they usually recommend five pounds per thousand at a time like one early or uh, mid spring and then one in the fall sometime. Uh, I was putting, I, I was recommended by Matt Martin to put down uh, elemental sulfur. I was putting it down. Um, I did 20 pounds last year per thousand. So I made four applications at five pounds per thousand. So I went pretty heavy on it. I don't think that's recommended for all people. So by no means do I say, yeah, that's what everybody should do. Um, that's just what I was recommended by, again, somebody that has a lot more education and experience in it than I do. Um, but I think one more, th I think one of the things more than anything was just the, uh, managing that with the citric acid and ammonium sulfate. I was still feeding the soil, uh, and, or feeding the grass with the ammonium sulfate, um, and using the citric acid. And from what I understand from Matt is the citric acid really helps uh unlock a lot of nutrients in the soil as well um in addition to the elemental sulfur when it lowers the ph but i think the citric acid does uh some degree of that as well like you were mentioning with the uh 
carbohydrates and stuff like that. I don't know enough about that, but it, it seems like that kind of falls in line with some of that as well. Right. And had you not done a soil test, you would have never known, you know, you would have been applying things to your lawn and it would have been in vain. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, (laughs) that's why this year, I don't know if I'm going to do, I may make one application of elemental sulfur um, because that, that elemental sulfur from last year is actually still kind of in the soil doing working because it takes close to five months for each application to actually get broken down again from what i understand and, and and have read it takes some time for that to actually break down and work so right now it's actually still doing its job in and lowering that soil ph so we're going to have some residual effect from last year's applications in, into this year um, but i still plan on making applications of citric acid just to continue to help that um, process and i as well as using ammonium sulfate and I will, I may, I may make one application of elemental sulfur, but that's probably about it. I'm kind of meeting the, I'm going happy medium. I'm not going not or not any, but I'm not going to go full bore like I did last year. And I still think next year when I do a soil test, just as I monitor that pH, I'm going to see some gradual improvements. Yeah, that you know the, the the soil test there is key too. I, when I did mine this year, I I got a little heavy handed apparently the last couple of years with micronutrients and, and phosphorus, and so I mean I'm strictly nitrogen and potassium <laughs> at all this year. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Um, well, we're well over the hour, and I like to try to keep this show to an hour, but I, I thought we were on a really good topic. Uh, we were on a really good roll there, and I don't ever like to interrupt those things just to end the show. So, um, but I th- feel like we're at a stopping point at this point with all of that. Uh, oh, dang it, Tyler, you're back again. <laughs> <laughs> just when you thought the show was over, here comes Tyler. Um, uh, but I, I really do appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, it was a fun show. I, I thought we talked about a, a lot of great stuff, um, especially just at the end. Because it, it's this stuff about the pH, like, I don't know, it's been really cool to learn a lot of this stuff um, as I go along. And I'll try to do my best to educate people from my limited knowledge. Because uh, I do plan on having a video on the soil pH coming up here soon. But... Um, Brandon, any any uh parting words for people? Any any well actually tell tell the people where they can find you. Tell the people what you okay, may or I, may not be doing this year in your lawn. What do you got coming out for the folks to keep an eye out for? I think like 99% of the people here are subscribers. Hey, well, you don't but, know um, about those that are just watching just, and not participating in the chat. So you got to help those people just out. Just for due diligence, <laughs> okay? And some of you may be, you know, are just now finding out or you have found out. I, I did change my handle. It's Turf Culture now. Bush League, Turf Culture. Uh, it was Bush League once. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on the on the Instagrams. You can find me on the YouTubes. Um and uh, I like to film myself on my lawn, like uh, most of the people who are here also like to do. So we're all like-minded individuals. Um, so yeah, it's coming up this year, you know, I'm actually going to be doing some collaborating with a couple other creators on a couple of projects. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing that. And then 
I'm also looking forward to documenting, you know, the first full season with Kentucky Bluegrass Real Mode in St. Louis. Um, so I'm looking forward for a wild ride um, from that aspect. But, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to say for everybody who's watching the show and anyone who is subscribed and watches my videos, I, you know, I want to take an opportunity to, to thank everyone for for doing that, you know, it's what sort of keeps keeps me going and, and keeping, you know, Ben, I'm sure you feel the same way, kind of keeps us kind of in this hobby and 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 show support for for kind of what we're we're doing, even though sometimes we may even in our own minds think, what in the hell are we doing out here with this camera? <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> yep. No, that uh I I'm yeah. gonna piggyback on Brandon there. The the watching and supporting is one hundred percent motivating because it lets us know people are interested. They like they like watching what we're doing, and even though it might just be a few people, it's still it's still motivating to a degree. Um, so it it is very much appreciated for everybody that watches, uh, thumbs up, you know, subscribes and and leaves comments. All that stuff goes a really long way. So on your way out tonight, if you wouldn't mind. You know, feel free to give this this uh, show a thumbs up. Subscribe to my channel if you like what I'm doing here. Uh, and we'll just, uh, yeah, we'll just keep going from there. But uh, thank you so much for everybody that tuned in tonight. Uh, I very much appreciate it. I don't have anybody coming in next week, but I'm going to take a couple weeks off from the live stream just because it takes a, a good bit of work to get everything lined up and, and all that kind of jazz. So... Um, but I think I'm going to keep this going throughout the, the season because I've just enjoyed doing this and I think other people have as well. I know not everybody enjoys the podcast style stuff, but um, I've enjoyed doing it and I know a lot of you guys have as well. So I really appreciate the feedback and all that kind of stuff. So thank you all for tuning in tonight. Um, Brandon, any last words? Um. <laughs> we'll just wrap it don't forget to like and subscribe we'll see you the there next you one there you go yeah. <laughs> have a great weekend guys uh hope you hope you guys are warming up hope hope you're ever, are able to get out and maybe enjoy the first mow throw some fur down put a pre-emergent down rake up the lawn whatever it may be i hope it's warming up and you're just able to enjoy the lawn thanks so much again for tuning in have a great weekend guys and we'll see you solid lawn season everybody. yes have a great lawn season spring is here and it's not leaving anytime soon thanks everybody